Well, welcome everyone to our very first podcast. This is a very exciting moment. We want to introduce you to uh, what this podcast is all about. It's called Reason Together. And the heart behind that, it was, it was the vision of our senior pastor, who you'll hear from in a little bit. But the heart behind that, it's a passage taken from Isaiah 1, verse 18, let us reason together. We live in a world where there's definitely a lot of people who disagree, who may not see eye to eye. And the hope behind this podcast is that even though we may have different perspectives, uh, we want to make sure that we value where each person is coming from. And so that's, that's how this podcast was birthed. I wanted to quickly introduce myself as well as the people who will be joining us today before we set up the conversation. So my name is Nick. I'm a youth pastor at a church in Huntington Beach called Beach Bible. And uh, let's go around and, and have you guys introduce yourselves as well with, uh, with Pastor going next. Okay, so yeah, my name is Pastor Mike Kalani. Uh, I have been the pastor of Beach Bible Church now for uh, three or four years uh, and uh, very much have enjoyed, personally enjoy engaging in some of the most, uh, I would say, consider interesting topics and kind of trying to find a biblical perspective on that. So uh, yeah, uh, I am married uh, and two kids and really hope that to equip people with the gospel, with the truth, uh, and to be able to engage their world. So, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I am Benjamin, and I am a, I go to Beach Bible Church. I'm involved with youth ministry there as well. Um, I go to Biola. I'm currently a third-year biology student, and uh, also have a minor in Bible, and really enjoy studying, uh, studying the Bible and seeing how it fits into our life. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Zab. I'm also a third year biology major, but at Westmont College in Santa Barbara. And I've grown up in Washington, Thailand, and Pennsylvania. All very formative experiences to my faith, as well as studying abroad in Mexico. And I'm very passionate as well about the truth that scripture speaks, and I'm looking forward to this conversation with Pastor Mike. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Uh, let me set up our conversation. So the topic that we'll be working through this morning uh, is the church and the news cycle. And I, I figured before we talk more about that, I wanted to open up with a quote. And I'd love to actually hear from you guys, pros and cons, if you agree or disagree with this quote. It's, it's from theologian Karl Barth. Maybe you've heard of it before. Uh, he says, a pastor should keep the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. So do you guys agree with that? Do you disagree? Where do you, where do you stand? You know, so this is, you know, Mike here talking. Uh, the, it depends on what he means. I mean, if the sense that a pastor should be knowledgeable, both of scripture and of what's happening in the world, absolutely. Uh, you know, the question is, are those two things equal authority? Absolutely not. So, yeah, that's, you know, without being able to talk to him personally, 
uh, that would be the, I guess, my, my takeaway from that. I am not a pastor. I'm a 20-year-old undergraduate student, so I'm not as aware as Pastor Mike about the complexities about being in a position of leadership, but I would think that the newspaper and Bible, one in each hand, would be a, a good posture to take so that your biblical knowledge can have context in what's happening in the world around you and be able to apply to what you're hearing and what your congregation is hearing in, in the news. And to be able to speak in your context, uh, I think that's really important. Right. Yeah, I, I wanted us to open with that quote because I feel like some may hear that and say, I totally agree, whereas others may say, hold the Bible or ditch the newspaper, uh, especially in the world that we live in today. I mean, think about the year of 2020. We have, we have news of this worldwide pandemic and how it has affected people globally, nationally, locally. We've had conversations growing surrounding racism and injustice that we've seen. We have this conversation of gender that's sort of been around for a while. And what's different about these sorts of challenges that we see in our world today compared to before is we live in this 24 hour news cycle. So we're constantly being fed this information. The church historically may have avoided talking about these sorts of issues, maybe in a Sunday morning message. But what we're seeing is this growing interest in, in sort of incorporating what's happening in the world within messages or, or the direction that a church should be taking. And so there's two different sides, right? You might hear someone who says, yes, I think that we should incorporate the news into what we're preaching about. And would go as far to say for churches that don't incorporate the news, man, you should ditch that church, right? You should have no part in that. And then you have others who would say, the Bible is my source, my one and only source. I'm going to stick with whatever messages I have planned out and honor God in that way and trust that whatever is happening in the world, that passage will speak to the events. So with that, as we're sharing both sides, you know, we maybe got an idea as we talked about the quote earlier, but I wanted to give both Mike and Zab an opportunity to share, okay, where do you stand on this issue? Where where would you lean towards in this conversation? Yeah, when, I, when I think about this, I would definitely lean more towards the side of saying that the news cycle is something that happens that should not impact the, the direction and uh, the preaching of the church in the sense that hopefully that direction and that preaching has been formulated by prayer, long time in prayer, uh, you know, kind of understanding the needs of the people and your particular flock. Um, and, and, and honestly, I think it, I would even hold that position probably more so today than when Carl Barth wrote the thing, because, you know, the news has become way more than a newspaper. Uh, it's become a, a, an obsession in some places. And I feel like if you cater to it on Sunday mornings, you're almost giving in to 
uh, a worldly idol for some people, this idea of being completely obsessed with the 24-hour news cycle. So I feel like church should almost be a pause on the on the world and uh, and and a, and a time to help people hear God's voice rather than what's the voice of you know TV, radio, and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would agree in the sense that we are very much crowded out, and there's so much noise in the news. Um, but I would definitely lean towards the side of engaging important events that occur or themes that you see throughout the news. So for instance, you might not talk about every protest that happened this summer, but there's an ongoing theme that is revealed to that, that is systemic racism. And so you might need to address a theme that is revealed through what is happening in the news, not necessarily catering to the weekly news cycle or like what happened in the Super Bowl this weekend, um, but addressing themes that become apparent through uh, what is going on in the world at the time. Yeah, so I think, I think one important distinction right now that we should maybe make is, I mean, I think we see in scripture a lot, especially Acts 2, uh, when we when we look at like the early church and what sort of teachings they had to deal with, we see that they're devoted themselves to they devote themselves to the gospel. But then we also see in Acts two, um, a little bit later, in uh, I believe it's verse uh, thirty eight um, or no forty forty four, um, and they're pretty much devoting themselves to like the apostles' teaching. And so if we look at what this sort of is, like what what did the apostles teach? We look through. Uh, the New Testament, these letters like to the Corinthians, to Ephesians, to um, letters that Peter and John wrote. Um, he's sort of speaking into um, how the gospel affects sort of every aspect of their life. Um, like, oh, we're a Christian now. What should we do with uh, these Gentiles? Or what should we do with um, circumcision? Or what should we do with food sacrificed to idols and things like that? So, Mike, would you, I guess the question for you, would you make a distinction between sort of these internal problems in the church versus like external problems that might not have to do with the church uh, that we see like in the news cycle, or do you think these are like connected things? I guess you could both respond on that. Yeah. So I, I would probably argue that when I, when I talked about how you prepare, you know, your, what to talk about on Sundays and how you plan that out, you do think about the needs of the people uh, in your congregation. So those needs are affected by the world often. And so there is this kind of, you know, uh, side door entry point into the, into preaching that the world will do um, through the needs of the people. So, I mean, if, if our church was positioned in a neighborhood where the, you know, the, the protests were happening uh, on our front door, it would be a much more relevant issue to us than protests that are happening, uh, you know, 300 miles away or that don't, uh, that we're not aware of. So, I, and I, I was, as you were saying that, Ben, I was even thinking that one of the things that, I, you know, typically, yeah, you, what you don't hear of in a lot of Paul's letter, it's what's happening in the Roman Empire at the time. Um, you don't hear about the things that we know that, you know, Christians and, and very relevant thing, Christians being burned 
or uh, what the, we don't even really know what the politics are in the Roman Empire at the time. We just know that he was calling them to be like Christ. One exception I can think of is in Acts when they talk about how the, you know, the, 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 the Greek poor were not being treated as well as the, uh, the Jewish poor widows and orphans. And so they appointed the, the, uh, the deacons to, to care for the needs of the poor. And so, uh, and I do think you see that every now and then that kind of that some situation is affecting what is being written uh, to that particular group, that church. And um, obviously we find universal application out of that, but I, I would, I would argue that it's, it's predominantly more absence of the news that you see in those letters than you see, um, you know, a focus on it. I would add to that piece about context, though, is that the Christian church was the persecuted group of people. And that is not necessarily the case for um, many American churches. And so reading our situation into their context can be dangerous. Um, that might be true for the black church in America or other minority ch churches in America. They are persecuted churches. And these realities don't need to be said because they're already inherent to their situations, but for maybe more privileged groups who don't understand the realities of what it means to be oppressed, what it means to be poor, what it means to be living on the margins. I think those truths need to be spoken um, and the injustices need to be presented in order for the gospel to have its true and more most profound meaning. meaning. So you're you're saying that the that we have to explain where similar similar circumstances exist today in our world in order for people to truly understand that passage. I think that um, to an extent, yeah, we can't read ourselves into every new New Testament passage or any any test any passage in the Bible. Understanding the context with which it was written is super important to understand yeah. the nature of God, um, which has remained constant throughout the whole of scripture in all the way from the beginnings of the old Testament law in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you hear God adamantly uh, just staying on the side of the, the orphans, the widows, the oppressed, the foreigners, um, and knowing who those people are now is really important. I think that brings up another question because there is so much news to cover. There are so much hurting, not only locally within America, but also globally. And it's almost as if there's like this imaginary scale. And in some ways we measure okay, this is, this is important for us to talk about in the church. And so how, how do we distinguish when we look at the news as a whole, both locally, nationally, and globally, what's worth talking about in the church? And to what degree do you think we should talk about it? Yeah, that is a tricky one that comes with 
added exposure, right? So there's this overwhelming amount of information that we have access to. And I think what's really important is having these things on our radar for prayer, knowing what's going on in Burma, Myanmar, and um, Rohingya genocide, or what's going on in Yemen and in the Middle East as far. So we can have things on our radar to pray about, um, not to necessarily um, address to your congregation. Oh, yeah, you need to go take action here. But when we recognize injustices that are occurring within our own um, within the world and globally and in our own communities, I think that can inspire us to be like, okay, um, good. Or, and hearing, I know that your church is um, very involved globally and has supports many missionary groups. And I think that can be um, a way in which we can be inspired here locally. Okay, what, what issues of injustice here can we confront and be a part of healing um, as, as a church. And so I think awareness of other things and support of other missionaries or other causes for good can inform how people can act within their local communities. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to give Zab another chance after I speak because their, their point she makes is a good one. Uh, but there, at some point, you're making choices on what you're talking about and what you're not. Uh, just you just, and one of the struggles that I see, uh, well, I'll give two. Is you know, one, I'll I'll give the pessimistic one first. The news wants to sell something, um, whether it be newspapers in the day or now it's advertising. So they want, you know, in a, in a world of clickbait, they want you to focus on the things that that would, you know, I don't know exactly the way of saying it, but um, sp spark your curiosity. Uh, so you don't hear about things like Yemen as much. You don't hear about uh, things like uh, what's happening in, you know, to some of the minority groups in China or, uh, you know, I, I, and I know, you know, in the church, I have people who are regularly, you know, talking about like the, the publication Voice of the Martyrs, which speaks of Christian persecution around the world, which if I didn't get it from them, I would hear it nowhere. Um, and, and I don't want to sit there and say we should only care about Christians around the world. That, so that's not my intention. But, but the realities of what's happening uh, in our global scene, uh, I think it's a little bit. It, it reveals the self-absorption we have in our society with ourselves and the news that is not on, on a scale of need the highest, but it's, it's what's most gossipy at the, at the current time. And so there's a part of me that simply doesn't trust the news to give me the, give me information that's really important to the, the important thing to talk about. Um, but then you put yourself in a hard situation. Well, then I, you know, I don't know what's happening in Yemen personally, uh, unless we had a missionary there. Uh, so, so how do you find out, you know, how do you not get, you know, get caught up in just parroting what they want you to parrot from the news cycle, you know, and just talking about what they want you to talk about rather than 
discovering the actual needs in our world. I think um, what you say about knowing your congregation is, is really important. And I would also add that acknowledging our place in the family of Christ and the body of Christ is really important. So the passions and pursuits of one church might not look the same as the passions and pursuits of a different church, but we support each other in those. We are, um, uh, like we're for all causes of justice and against all causes of injustice. Um, and as Martin Luther King says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Um, so as far as choosing, I think, like I said earlier, what are the underlying themes that you see in the news um, and addressing those. And also I think really importantly, making a distinction between the news cycle and current events, because I, I was reading my like daily news thing today and it was talking about the impeachment again. Um, and it's like, I think that they had that yesterday too. And I'm like, okay, this isn't helpful. This isn't really giving me a grasp of what is going on in the world. And so I'm actively seeking out ways to be more informed, listening to podcasts or um, understanding more fully what is going on um, and hearing different perspectives, I think is healthier ways to stay engaged and up to date with current events than merely just sucking in um, whatever is right in front of your face. And I, as a 20 year old, I think, you know, 24 hour TV is not really a problem for me personally and my age, and people in my age group, it's more like endless scrolling through social media. And so putting limits on that for myself, not being on social media all the time and being cognizant of what I'm choosing to uh, look at and to absorb is, is important as well. Um, kind of uh, taking, okay, this sparks my interest from what I'm seeing and then taking initiative to move forward. And um, that's a personal level, but as far as on in the church, I think the same type of discernment needs to happen and be guided by the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, you might have a whole series and thoughtfully planned out and that's good to stick with it. But if you're, there's, there still needs to be room for movement of the Holy Spirit to be like this big thing happened. Um, I, and we need to address it. Yeah. I think uh, a really big, like a really big hard thing to do then though I mean if you do want to address these things you have the problem of just there's so much stuff out there that is like non-truth and I think at least for me the approach that I've taken to reading all news is like false until I prove it true which I mean that's just the scientific mind in me trying to um, get to the bottom of things sort of by my own research but I mean not everyone has that sort of mindset uh, when they approach uh, things like the news. So um, I guess flip this question over to you guys, like what, um, like what, how do we, how should we like determine the truth in the news or what, 
what we should actually talk about um, because, I mean, if you go off, like, just early in the morning, pastor, hypothetical example, gets notification on his news that, like, oh, like, a bunch of people just got bombed or something like that and um, like, just immediately goes and sort of gives, like, a impromptu sort of speaks to that issue. But then later, that, like, whole situation was, like, staged or fake or something like that. And so I guess... Like what should like should what kind of research or things should go into determining truth and fighting bad ideas that could have like negative consequences, I guess, in the news. So you bring up a point that um, that I thought of earlier, and I think it hits this because because I'm not a news expert. Um, uh, you know, I you know, basically everything like in my area of study, my profession is God's word. That's, you know, that's what I've been trained to do is to analyze and teach and communicate God's word. I feel like if I can, like you, I can have my own personal way of reading the news to kind of discern what I believe is true, but I would never say I'm an expert in that area. And there's that sense that if I were to use my platform or any pastor was to use their platform to tell people the news uh, or what they ought to think about the news, they are treading in dangerous water where they very much could be um, wrong about something or maybe one-sided. Uh, and, and so I, 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 so there's that side of me that sits there and says, you know, I am sure if we went back and looked at John Calvin or Jonathan Edwards sermons, we can appreciate his sermons today that are about God's word because that truth doesn't change. But if we were to hear him talk probably about slavery, we'd probably be appalled that, of the position he held, because at the time it may have seemed right, and this congregation might have gone, hey, you know, amen, pastor. But uh, but it probably would have revealed how biased his own perspective was on that. And so, uh, so that's, you know, if I were to sit there and say, how do I determine what is true? I All I could sit there and say is I see that this, thing that's come up has sparked something that is universal in humanity, either uh, selfishness, uh, pain, poverty, uh, injustice, those kind of principles. I can, I can say, well, I can speak to injustice in general, but I cannot probably speak to the reality of what's happening in Ferguson, Missouri, because I, I'm not an expert in that area. But I can talk about pain. I can talk about suffering. I can talk about uh, the, the desire for the community of God to be uh, without racial divide, that kind of stuff. Um, but I can't sit there and tell people, and this is how you should think about Ferguson. Zeb, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think you should say this is how you should think about Ferguson. I think you should say you should think about Ferguson. You should think about these things. Here, I'm going to give you the word and let you meditate on this 
And because that is, like you said, your area of expertise. You minister out of who you are and out of your strengths and out of the ways God is working in you. Um, that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to do application, but acknowledging the suffering, acknowledging specific suffering allows a community to not uh, be a community that builds walls, but rather builds bridges to, to, towards the outside world. So I, I don't think it should be like, oh, this is how you should engage. This is how you should vote. No, this is the biblical truth and this is what's happening in the world. Um, and giving your congregation the tools to, to discern also um, in, in relation to what they know about the world, what they know in their own lives. And then um, you from the pulpit also exposing um, the facts of what's going on um, in the world for yeah. certain events. Well, let me push back on that a little bit because you know, I think there's probably a little bit, we probably agree on this a little bit, but the question is to what degree, you know, because I feel like I could come every Sunday morning and say, congregation, here's what's happening in the world. Let's talk about what the Bible says about the principles that these incidents bring up. And, and that could be, I would never have to plan a message again, other than just turn on the news. What, what, what's, you know, Saturday, what's the big story. Okay. We're going to talk about that on Sunday. Um, I personally would be like, Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't last that long doing that just because I don't feel like that's helping much. Um, and so there's that side of me that just wonders when, you know, you, cause you could do that every time and then you would still not be able to touch every subject out there. Uh, but you could do that every time. So so is there a point where you say, okay, enough is enough? Maybe, you know, or uh, yeah, that, that's my question back is when do you say this is worth bringing up or versus, you know what, let's stay, stay on point with where we're going and trust. And I'll get to a point, my later point later, but at what point do you sit there and say, I can't let the news cycle determine what I'm trying to accomplish in the people of this church? Uh, you know, yeah. Zeb, would you have anything to add or respond? Only that, that is, I don't know. Like, I, I think that is to the extent to which is such a, a tricky question, but um, not completely removing it is really important. And I think, you know, your expertise being the word of God building your sermon around the word of God makes sense. And then how seeing how that applies to everyday lives is kind of what, what is going through my mind, kind of the scripture, the truth of scripture being a lens through which you approach um, everyday occurrences and how you receive news um, and what's going on in the world around you. Yeah. I'd love for us to get a little bit more practical too in thinking like take for example uh, George Floyd what would be the dangers to the congregation specifically if a pastor chose not to address 
George Floyd or the countless other examples of injustice that we saw just in this past year. Uh, I would love for both of you to answer this question too, uh, to hear, hear both sides. With Mike, do you want to take a stab at it first? I mean, that, that's a tough one. Um, you know, we talked about the, you know, th there's a part of it that it definitely that kind of racial injustice. And, and I would actually even, you know, George Floyd was a bad case. Ahmaud Arbery was a, was a, a bad one too. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know I, I feel like some of them are worse than others. And that's just my opinion. Uh, and probably room for another topic another day. Um, there's a part of me that has to sit there and wonder, it, is, my, is my church completely oblivious to the realities of racism? Um, that, that's a question I think I would ask. And I don't think they are. You know, so uh, the, there's a part of me that says that, that there's that 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 topic was discussed over and over and over again. I know by so many people it was it was uh, that to to teach it and to to bring it up again on Sunday would have been uh, you know I don't know if you're really adding anything to the equation now. Uh, and let me go back because I, I definitely think you teach on racism and you teach on, uh, you know, the idea of uh, uh, of equality and justice. Those are for sure. Uh, I just feel like if I would have paused and preached on that one issue, it would have been adding to the noise versus letting it come up when it comes up in Scripture naturally. It, 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 people would have automatically thought that Mike is interjecting his opinion on this subject rather than, let's say, teaching through Galatians. And, and then when you get to that passage, realize, no, God cares about this subject. And that's why we're talking about it. Now, what I might do is actually, and we obviously did this because of the last year, you do tailor your sermon series to deal with things that people need to hear right now. Um, and the problem with 2020 is that there was just so many of them that you couldn't possibly, I mean, we were, we were talking, we were in our, in our, our, our series on not being afraid, uh, because of the pandemic and, and then when the George Floyd stuff happened. And so I, you know, there was that point, do, do we sideline the realities of the pandemic over, this, the realities of racial justice. And uh, yeah, w we didn't, we, we stuck with the pandemic predominantly because, you know, I don't see our church as struggling with racism per se. Um, and yeah, it, it, it felt like it would have felt like I was saying what I wanted to say rather than letting God's word speak. So, yeah. To answer your question, Nick, about you said, what would the dangers be of not? Yeah, I think that's a really important question to continually ask ourselves. What does our silence say? Um, because I think that impacts who feels welcome in your church, who feels safe in your church. Because the reality of the matter is, is that 
the white church historically, the American church, the non-black church, I should say, is not, has not been welcoming towards um, the, like the black church, that's how it started is because they weren't welcomed in white congregations. Um, so I think there's this danger of not, of like exclusion. Um, and then also to go to scripture for this, thinking about Matthew 25. Uh, Jesus says, um, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And so I think that really speaks to the, the gravity of when we, we stay silent, of when we step out and when we choose inaction. So, so yeah, because I, I, there is a, a, a phrase that's becoming commonly use the idea that silence is violence and and I, I hear you on that and I don't disagree with that but I don't think the church has been silent on that uh, I can reference many books many podcast conferences um, you know many it's just is Sunday morning different than uh, writing a book, posting an article, putting a Facebook post up, uh, you know, communicate other means of communication. Uh, when I think people talk about the church being silent, they're particularly talking about Sunday morning preaching, not the, I mean, I would argue the volumes that's been given on those subjects through other mediums. And, and yeah. Yeah, kind of the, the, the one of the other passages I thought of, and this is a, one of those hard ones. It, it's the Second Timothy two four, where it says, "No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits." You know, and there's this idea, if 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 he's talking to Christians, he's re referencing them as soldiers, and then what does that mean? What is a civilian pursuit? Uh, yeah, obviously, you have to make an analogy here, but you could argue that civilian pursuit is worldly concerns and worldly the the issues that are going around that are not spiritual in nature now i i totally hear the argument of making something like jo justice a spiritual you know there there is a spiritual side to that i'm not saying there's not um but there is that sense of uh, it, it, george floyd didn't make that an issue it just kind of brought it to a head um the question is, is did, the, did a church ever speak on racism and injustice and versus at that moment? Because um, I know at least most Bible preaching churches will hit those topics when that comes up. The question is, is do you stop everything to talk about it right now because it came up somewhere else? Um, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. And I think different traditions have, like you said, different approaches. Um, and 
I think that what you say on Sunday morning can impact what the community does. For instance, I heard that Huntington Beach had about 20 protesters for BLM um, and about 3,000 people protesting the closing of the beaches. So if we're thinking about like mm, what the priorities are of Huntington Beach, that's slightly problematic. And that's not just like, oh, our church doesn't really need to think about this because I think those actions of the town and like the, that um, you are a part of kind of reflect where the people, not necessarily the people of your congregation, but the community in which they live are, are consuming themselves with. And so I think what, I think that current events and current situations when they are gross portrayals of injustice um, and just like leaving it silent is kind of like ignoring the elephant in the room. Um, I think that can be quite problematic. Yeah, I think to tie it all together, thinking of the church, clearly churches may not see eye to eye on this topic. Some you may see bring up these issues as they're unfolding in the news, whereas others may wait or may do it in more of a minimal way. And so the question I have as we sort of conclude our time is if it's possible for a single church to find the right balance on this or the appropriate balance. And if so, what would you guys say that looks like? Uh, yeah. I mean, I know Zab does not have the experience of leading a church. And so uh, I'll give her a lot of grace on her answer. Um, the, you know, when I'm thinking about it, the church's job is to make disciples. Um, and a disciple of Christ, in my hope, is somebody who responds like Christ to any injustice, any wrong, any lie, any untruth, you know, any that they're prepared for whatever, whatever challenges may come. Uh, and there will always be new ones. And so there's that sense of, you know, if we really want to make a difference in our world, if we help people grow in Christ, then we'll make, we'll, we will create people who change the world around them, uh, who, who stand up for the things that, that require someone to stand up for, who are the voice of the voiceless, that kind of thing. Um, I think what we found and what Zab's kind of was hitting on was that the, the church has not done that. Um, and, and oftentimes the church has not been the, you know, been like Christ in the community and that I will own. And I will say for sure that's on us. Uh, but it's not because we didn't talk about the issue. It's because the disciples we made were only, you know, they were shallow. Um, so that being said, there's, you know, there's that sense that to me, it's training people in God's word and getting them to understand it is what are the people who will make a difference in our world. The idea of talking about things that are in the news cycle is predominantly because those people who aren't there yet 
who aren't really, you know, at that point where they, you know, they're still kind of, they're not quite deepening their relationship with Christ, that those people, you know, they're, they're kind of more on the curious side and they want to talk about what everybody's talking about. And, and you have to do that. You know, obviously if a church does a series on relationships or finances or something like that, they're, they're going after what we call felt needs. It's what people want to talk about. Um, if, if they're doing a, you know, but, but the, but even I would acknowledge that if you bring a felt need, what you're doing is you're trying to meet a felt need with a real, a real solution. Uh, and so, so there's this balance between being relevant and talking about the things people are talking about, but yet going beyond that to going to what really matters. And, and so in my mind, it's a tough place. I know some churches focus more on the the, the former than the latter, and some churches form, focus more on the latter than the former. Uh, my hope is to be both, but I know that that line is not always going to be people's opinion on where that line falls is going to differ. Um, and yeah, and I think it, in my opinion, I do my best to figure out how to feed the sheep in my flock so that they will be the difference makers in our world rather than, and I was thinking about this because I can I mean, and I've seen this, I can get in a church and be an echo chamber where I'm going to tell people how they ought to think about something that came up. And I could be right. You know, I could be right about the, the, you know, expressing that injustice. But all if all they're doing is parroting me, then they're not in the right. They're just in a group. They're just in, you know, they're followers rather than change makers. And so to me, that's the, the the slippery line where you sit there and you say, I want to equip somebody who is well-equipped in God's word and is personally seeking to be like Christ. And I would rather have them disagree with me on something and be passionate about a subject. I mean, that I may not be as passionate about um, rather than them be some sort of um, disciple of Mike. Zab, what do you think? I'm reminded of Isaiah six when kind of, it's kind of as Isaiah's cleansing and call. And he says, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. And then later the Lord asks I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And I think this passage really speaks to the heart of what it means, even before Jesus was on the scene, what it means to be a disciple. You you hear what's going on and you hear the Lord asking this question, like who, who will go, um, who will see all of this, you know, this, <laughs> the harm and destruction and who will answer that call. And I think that what you were saying, pastor Mike, about you don't want Mike disciples. Um, 
I think that's valid. Like we want Jesus disciples, but at the same time, people are hearing news. Like, and I think we can't compartmentalize that to um, completely outside the church. People need a spiritual perspective on how to deal with these complex issues of how to practically engage with things that are going on and not just like try to like, oh, tackle that outside of a spiritual context. And so I think at, to some extent, there needs to be spiritual guidance on a practical level that incorporates uh, current events. And then in regards to, I think, Nick's original question, like how do we have like a balance in our, in a church? I think first and foremost, recognizing that we are a church and that is a part of the church. Um, recognizing that we don't have to do it all. That we can be faithfully engaged in our community and constantly refining and reflecting how are we engaging here and now as we um, are aware of what's going on in the greater context of our, of our state or country or nation and being willing to partner and work with other churches who have different passions and uh, concerns for their particular congregation. And as a, as a church, not being as so focused on our individualness and our individual uh, group of people and being stepping back into like, we are the church. And what does the church do? We seek the kingdom of God above all else um, and just pointing it back towards God with how we live in community. Yeah, I think um, I like, like we both said about that. Um, one principle for me, at least that I found helpful when thinking about the news and which, which we do about all this stuff is, is actually a principle put forward by C.S. Lewis in one of his essays when he says, uh, put first things first and second things are thrown in but if you put second things first, you lose both the first and the second things. And so in Lewis's mind, the first thing was the gospel. And then second thing was anything besides the gospel, I guess, that we should also care about. And so, for example, like relevance, like I know a lot of churches these days want to be relevant, um, like with these flashy worship services and things like that. But like the more that you try to become relevant, it's kind of like an ironic thing, like the less relevant you actually become because you're just becoming like, like a concert does better worship, so like better pop music than church could ever do. Um, and so, yeah, it's this idea that we should be putting uh, the gospel first. And then as we commit ourselves to the life and the teachings of Jesus, these second things, such as like, what should we do about the news? What should we do about these events of injustice around us are sort of like thrown in as a part of this understanding. But if we elevate that above the gospel, if we put those second things first, we end up actually losing both the first things. We lose sight of the gospel, but we also lose sight of that which we're pursuing in the, uh, in that we'll, we'll misdiagnose the human condition and a lot of our efforts for uh, justice and equality will actually be harming instead of helpful. So that's, that's sort of my two thoughts, but. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely, it, it's, I value both sides of the argument on this. I definitely do. Um, and it is such a touchy area. And I, I was just thinking, 
that, you know, I want, when I preach God's word, I want to preach with confidence and authority and conviction. Uh, when I talk about the news, I want to walk humbly, you know, uh, because, because we all know that, I mean, unless you are the person who saw it firsthand or did it firsthand, that we may not be getting the full story. And that's, and there's that part of me that's saying, you know, there's like, like this conversation I think is good because, you know, I, we're all coming into it, listening, humble, no one's preaching at each other. Uh, you know, the, the, the times that I have become concerned with friends of mine who are in ministry, who became consumed with something that's happening around us in the world, something good sometimes is that they did exactly what you mentioned, Ben, is they, they, that issue became the only thing that mattered and the gospel no longer, you know, was no longer a concern for them. And sometimes even a little bit more scary than that is they redefine the gospel to be their cause. Uh, And now the gospel is to be care about what they care about. And and I like it's like I said, it's what they're doing is good, but the way they've done it is they've, you know, they've uh, they've sacrificed the, you know, the cow in order to feed themselves when the cow was what plowed the field, and gave them food for the long term. You know what I mean? They, it's uh, and so that's that's a genuine concern I have for churches that focus too much on social issues and lose sight of the gospel and in, in doing it. Yeah, that is totally a valid concern. And it's all about the lens through which exactly what's first, um, the, the lens through which you see what. So if you see gospel through a political lens, then you're going to have a tainted gospel. But if you see what's going on in the world through the lens of the gospel, and we will be far more better equipped to engage in the world. And so I want to touch on the other end of the spectrum is when you're so removed. I go to Westmont College. We're on the hill in Montecito, physically removed. Um, A lot of students come in from homeschooled families or private schools or kind of upper middle class um, families and remain removed, um, which is never what we're called to do. We're, we're never called to stay removed. Um, even that um, civilian passage, 2 Timothy 2.4, the 2.3 is, is talking about suffering. And so understanding the context that as followers of Christ, we do have to pick up a cross and we do have to enter in and we can't stay removed um, is another extreme that we that is really dangerous to find ourselves in. Yeah, I'd love to wrap up our time by just giving each of you space to share a final thought or sort of like a charge to action for those who are listening. What, what would you like to leave, leave everyone with? Mike, you can go ahead and go first. I didn't prepare this like in advance. <laughs> but here, the, so the reality is, is that the world is full of gospel issues. You know, the, the truths of scripture are uh, not just in, 
in scripture, you see them all around you. Brokenness of humanity, relationships, uh, you know, our selfish desires, all of that. You just, uh, the fallenness of man, all that you see it at work and at play. And so there's an endless amount of opportunity to engage the world around us with, with scripture and with the gospel. Um, but I think I would go back to what I said a little earlier and just reemphasize. I think the best thing the church can do is to develop and build people who are motivated and who live out the gospel in their life, who uh, represent Christ and their surroundings and trust that they will be the salt and light of the world that, that they've been called to be. And that, you know, if I raise up somebody, uh, I mean, I even think like Zab, you were raised up in a church and you care about what you care about because someone poured into you and invested in you. And it may not be the same thing they cared about or they did, but they created someone now who can multiply the voice of the gospel in their world. And so if we are multiplying ourselves, we extend our influence versus trying to be the, the loudspeaker, um, the one voice out there. You know, I, and, and honestly, the other side of it is, you know, I feel like there is a sense that the news cycle has become a modern day idol. Um, and it's almost like ADD where you, in order for someone to actually learn something, you have to focus on it for a while and really dig into it and really understand how, how deep it goes and how much it impacts the very nuances of every area of your life. Just like, even to take a subject like forgiveness, you could speak for months on forgiveness and still have years to go, you know? And so the problem with the news cycle is that it, it's so um, fleeting. It's what was in the news. I mean, even if you sit there and something happened today and I'm like, oh, in two weeks, I might talk about it. In two weeks, it may be old news and no one wants to care about it anymore. And so I feel like if you approach subject matter in a way that's dictated by the news cycle, one, you won't make any progress. You'll just, you'll just itch, you know, itch people's ears, you know, kind of uh, you'll, you'll scratch the itch and, but they won't have grown. And so so I, there's that part of me that says if if we let it dictate where we're going, we'll we'll go nowhere. Um, but yet, if we focus on the gospel, we'll make a real difference in our world. And and I shouldn't say just the gospel, but I say even just the character that God is developing, the disciple, the uh, which I think pertains to more than just the gospel, but the uh, how the word is that 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 sword that. Uh, slices both ways and really helps us to see who we are. Because uh, everyone, I think, can see themselves as the good guy until the, they start really looking at the gospel and they realize, oh, no, I'm, I'm the problem. Um, and my hope is, is that if my kids are reading my sermons one day or going back and listening to their dear old dad stuff, uh, that they won't go, oh, my goodness, how wrong he was uh, on his perspective on that issue. Uh, I hope is that if you focus on timeless and eternal truths, uh, we'll deal with 
the things that are happening around us in the world effectively and well, rather than just focusing on them. Thanks, Mike. It's, yeah. it's been really good talking to you and hearing your perspectives. And I have a lot of respect for what you do. And honestly, to be to lead a church in, in 2020, that's just... <laughs> um, and you having to deal with these, these questions every Sunday, I have immense respect for you and how you speak truth to your congregation. So thank you for the honor of speaking with you this morning. Um, it's been a real delight, honestly. Thanks for doing it, Zeb. Yeah. Um, I want to respond to first, like what you said, like about, yeah, some people pouring into me to inspire me to be passionate about what I'm passionate about. And I think also something that has to do with that is circumstances. When I lived in Thailand, even as an elementary student, I saw videos of what was going on next door in Burma. I saw refugees walking around without their legs because they got blown off by landmines. I saw the infect effects of specific acts of injustice and that also had an impact on me that awareness and in inner realization that like this is not right. Um, in addition to whatever I was learning in Sunday school at the time, those are kind of the things that really, really stuck was like, oh, this is unsettling. And this is so far from the vision of what I see in Revelation 7. After this, I saw a vast crowd too great to come to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the lamb. And that, this image of the kingdom of God and what that means, um, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. This image of equality and worship before the Lord is what drives me. And so um, if I find myself in a position of being able to give, I want to give. If I find myself in a position where I need to receive, then I will graciously receive. And I think that the church in, in general has to strive for these, um, these kingdom values. And with, without the integration of what's happening in the real world they just become abstractions and some things are fleeting like the news just reporting to the news every Sunday might not make sense but I think what I said earlier and kind of as a science major as well um, thinking about evidence for real problems is kind of what the news is so specific events of George Floyd, Brianna Taylor um, and police brutality and gun violence as being um, evidence for this greater problem of systemic racism and white supremacy, or the continued environmental catastrophes and the news we hear of fires, or um, the oil spills that we hear about on the news, or the just drastic amount of plastics get, that get tossed in the ocean. These are all evidence of this greater issue of 
um, that fact that we are being poor stewards of the earth. And I think that's what I'm getting at is that um, we need to address these core issues that the news reveals and the news can be evidence for that. Um, and the, the gospel is the way and the lens through which we read what is going on mm. in the world around us. And Sunday morning has a lot to do with that because it represents the values and priorities of a church. Certainly a lot for us to learn from this conversation and, and grow in this conversation as we approach it in humility and as we seek to glorify God in all, all that we do. So thank you guys for, for helping us navigate that discussion. Thank you, Zab, for joining us. And uh, hope for those who are listening that you feel encouraged and hope that you feel compelled to talk about these things in our world today. We'll see you next time.